Our Gospel reading this morning will come from the Gospel of John, chapter 21, verses 4 through 19, and it is a passage um, that describes both um, some of the ways that, that Jesus is the way and the truth and the life for us. It describes the way we are called to be that for others, and it certainly describes in some ways uh, the way the mothers in our lives have provided for us. And so we share now in this reading of the Gospel of John, chapter 21, verses 4 through 19. Just after daybreak, Jesus stood on the beach, but the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to them, Children, you have no fish, have you? And they answered, No. He said to them, Cast the net out to the right side of the boat, and you will find some. So they cast it, and now they were not able to haul it in, because there were so many fish. The disciple whom Jesus loved says to Peter, uh, said to Peter, It is the Lord. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he, he put on some clothes, for he was naked, and he jumped into the sea. But the other disciples just came in the boat, dragging the net full of fish, for they were not far off of land, only a hundred yards off. When they had gone ashore, they saw a charcoal fire there with fish on it and bread. Jesus said to them, Bring some of the fish that you have caught. So Simon Peter went aboard and hauled the net ashore, full of large fish, 153 of them. And though uh, there were so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, Come and have breakfast. Now none of the disciples dared ask him, Who are you? Because they knew it was the Lord. Jesus came and he took the bread and he gave it to them and he, get, and he did the same with the fish. And now that was the third time Jesus had appeared to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He says to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus says to him, Feed my lambs. A second time, he says to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He says, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus says to him, Tend my sheep. He said to him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter felt hurt because he said this to him a third time. Do you love me? He said to the Lord, Lord, you know everything, and you know that I love you. And so Jesus says to him, Feed my sheep. Very truly, I tell you, when you were younger, you used to fasten your own belt and go wherever you wished. But when you grow old, you will stretch out your hands, and someone else will fasten a belt around you and take you where you do not wish to go. He said this to indicate the kind of death by which he would glorify the Lord. And after this, he said to him, follow me. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. As I think about the moms in my life, as I consider Mother's Day and even this passage, I do think about my mother, I think about my grandmothers, and many motherly figures I have been blessed with. When I think of them, I also think of the ways that they fed me. 
As I share a couple stories about my mother and my grandmothers and the way that they provided and fed me, I hope your mind will wander to the ways in which your mothers and grandmothers and motherly figures fed and provided for you. My grandma Aho, and there's another story about why we call her Grandma Aho instead of Grandma Aho. My grandma Aho lived in Michigan, and she was the one that we stayed with when we visited because she had the bigger house. Each visit, there were many things that I remember and many particularities, but when it comes to food, there are some things that she did. There were always pans of homemade cinnamon rolls there for the grandsons. My grandfather would say gruffly but teasingly, eaten again every time he saw us eating a cinnamon roll. My uncles would threaten to steal them from us, but they were ours. She had a drawer with the cookies in it that we would get, and, and in the, the bottom drawer of her refrigerator were these candies called Goo Goo Clusters that many of you probably have had. I thought that my grandmother had a secret Goo Goo dealer in Michigan that she got them from. It is only recently that I realized that this is a southern institution. But when your grandmother from Kentucky and Tennessee marries an Ajo from Upper Michigan and he relocates her up there, uh, it takes uh, packages from her sisters in Louisville and Nashville to get goo-goos for the grandkids. But she had them. My mom's mother, Grandma Mill, lived just two miles down the road and uh, she was not a cook at all. I think she probably could have done better than she claimed she did. Uh, but her reputation was, was that she didn't cook, but she did provide food. There was always pop or soda in the bottom of the fridge for us when we got there. There was always candy and sweets in the pantry. And my grandmother, though she didn't have much use for any places south of Michigan except for Florida, Texas, and Arizona, warm places where retirees could go and her, her daughters had relocated to, she served Kentucky Fried Chicken on Christmas Eve every year. It was her thing. And my mother, of course, is a great cook, but her true gift is in baking. Um, she can cook whatever she wants, and she cooks it well, but she bakes like the best of them. Breads and cookies, of course, are some of her best, but she also has, over the years, uh, developed personal Chex Mix recipes for everybody in the family. She doesn't buy it out of bags. She knows how to make it still. And I could go on and on about my mom and my grandmothers, about their cooking, and I'm sure that we could have long conversations about the things that you love, about the cooks in your life and the mothers in your life, right? Many of us consider our mothers on some level or another, and the what well, they consider, our mothers consider, the tables that they, they filled with food as expressions of their love and their grace and their kindness and their care for us. They were expressions born out of a conviction that the children needed to be provided for, nurtured, cared for, and supported. Their sheep needed to be fed, if you will. So today, culturally, we celebrate mothers. We celebrate their love, their care, their influence. And the fact that none of us would be where we are without them in our lives. But it's only a small shift in our perspective. 
to recognize that the love that they have given us was given to us also so that we would embrace our identity as children of God, followers of Jesus Christ, and we would embody the gospel as they did in our time, in our place, today. Mothers teach us how to love so that, in turn, we too can love, right? Now, when we meet Jesus in John chapter 21... The, the chapter, of, chapter 21 of John is sort of an epilogue to the whole book, the whole gospel. It, it, chapter 20 ends with this explanation that um, all this has been written down so that you would come to know the Lord and know the love of Jesus Christ. And then in chapter 20, 21, we get that almost where are they now sort of part of the story at the end of a book or the end of a film. And the, Jesus, or the, the disciples have gone back to what they knew, while they wait to see what's going to happen next. So they go fishing. They're on the water when Jesus, they don't know it's him, speaks to them from the side of the shore. After he tells them to get the fish from the other side of the boat, and they take in a haul so big it almost rips the nets, but doesn't, they realize that it is Jesus that's talking to them from the seashore. And there are, of course, three, at least three, but three remarkable things that pop up in my head every time I read this story. The first, of course, is that Peter puts his clothes back on to jump in the water. And that's funny and silly, and it, it does make a point that there is much different things happening culturally than, than there are now. But the second and third, those are much more important. The second is that Jesus, in particular, fixes a charcoal fire, which is oddly descriptive to me. But it's also evocative to think about fish cooked over a charcoal fire, isn't it? It's as if Jesus is providing a feast for his disciples in this moment. He's not just fixing them something quickly. Some planning and some intention has gone into this. And then third, of course, is this repetitive refrain that he comes back to with Peter. Tend my sheep, care for my sheep, feed my lambs, feed my sheep. The disciples' job, the last thing they're being told to do from Jesus in this gospel, is to feed, tend, care for, and provide for the Lord's sheep. This is what Jesus' disciples are called to do. Feeding those in his care was nothing new for Jesus. As we think through the Gospels and we reflect upon many of those stories, think about it. He provides wine at a wedding reception as the, the family's running out of wine. He feeds 5,000 with just five loaves and two fish. In another Gospel, he feeds 4,000 later. He visits Mary and Martha and has this really important encounter while Martha is preparing the meal, remember? His disciples eat illegally on the Sabbath. He blesses a, a fig tree. He curses a fig tree. He tells a parable about a prodigal son and a feast results at the end. He tells parables about banquets and different feasts and wedding banquets and he eats. 
He eats with his disciples during his last meal before his trial and his crucifixion and his eventual resurrection. And during that meal, he gives his disciples a way to remember him, to be be assured of the promise of his provision, of his love and his care and his presence for days to come. He gives them the Last Supper, communion. Jesus repeatedly uses food to illustrate all manner of things, from celebrating something to cursing it, from abundance to famine. Food in Scripture is analogous to the provision we are to make for one another. Food tells a story that implores us to act, to eat, yes, but also to provide. So when Jesus tells Peter to feed his sheep, He's not telling them to open up a taco stand or a food pantry even. He's clearly telling Peter to provide for the needs of the people that are entrusted into your care. Minister to them in the days ahead. And those days are not that far away. So to me, it seems like the important thing for us to see and to say is that one of the hardest things, but one of the most important things we'll ever be asked to do is to care and provide for the sheep and to take that care very, very seriously. Now, to feed another person and to provide for those in our care, our immediate care especially, is a motherly instinct that mothers, most mothers have. But it runs against natural, sort of broader cultural tendencies in some ways or another. Many of us will reflect on those generations who collect and and put up and save food and will think, well, they lived through the Depression. But that's not just the case of of them. Many attribute the the urge to to save in, in, in scarcity to that trait, but in the wilderness of Exodus, you remember that when the manna fell on the ground, there were many who collected as much as they could, trying to save it, only to see that it would rot the next day. They were afraid they wouldn't have enough because they had known scarcity. But Jesus tells his disciples something else. It's as if he's telling them not to worry about scarcity. Don't just care for yourself. Remember to care for others. Remember to think outside of yourself and beyond your own instinct to save and hoard all that you can. Remember, it's not just you that needs care, but you will need to care for others. You will need to be different than the way everybody else would because the sheep that come through your pasture, the sheep that you will be called to tend and love, are going to need your love and your provision. And doing this might be very, very difficult for us. Maybe the most difficult thing we're called to do. But, but in many ways, isn't that what a mother is as well? Many will say that being a mother is the most difficult job that they've ever had, but it was the most rewarding. May that be true for us as well, right? When I was growing up, we moved away from Michigan when I was in the first grade. 
We lived in Georgia and in Florida and in Texas, more than 1,100 miles away from my grandmother. It was a full two-day drive to get from there home, and with a family of five in those days, flying was not an option. So we drove, and the instruction was always from Dad that we were going to get up early and get on the road. The implication was maybe that we would take some food quickly with us and eat it along the way. But let me say that that was only an implication because I don't actually know what it was we would have eaten. Because no matter how early it was that we got up, my grandmother was up earlier. She had read her scriptures and she had popped open the Pillsbury biscuits and put them in the oven. The, the smell of bacon and sausage was making its way up the stairway into our bedrooms. And as kids, we knew that grandmother had won again. We would eat our big breakfast. We would get on the road later than Dad had wanted, of course. And then we'd make a quick stop at my uh, mother's parents' house. And of course, there was no huge breakfast there because Grandma Mill knew that we had already eaten, but that didn't stop her from wanting to shove our pockets full of candy and snacks for the road. She too had this impulse to feed us, and it couldn't be helped. It was was who she was. Feeding us was who they were. It was what they did literally, spiritually, and emotionally. They fed their sheep. And I know for a fact that it was tough to watch us go every time the car had to pull out of the driveway. But they knew that the last thing they could do before we were separated was they could provide for us one more thing. And in every single way, that is exactly what Jesus is doing In chapter 21 of the Gospel of John, before he ascends to heaven, before his new body, the church, comes into motion and starts to do what it is called to do, he models for them exactly what they would need to do. And he feeds his sheep. He fires up the grill and tells them to have some fish. This is what mothers do with breakfast before a long road trip. This is what Jesus does with a meal before his ascension. And this is what we must do as his followers. Feed his sheep. We love our mothers, and most of them will tell us that the best job they've ever had was to be our mother. But it wasn't the easiest job. It is hard work. But as the sermon comes home to us, to rest in our hearts and to lead us in one way or another, Hopefully we also realize that the life of faithfulness is hard, but it will be the most rewarding life we too could ever embrace. It will be hard to feed someone else, but it's what we're called to do. It will be hard to care for sheep who want to wander off and get distracted and think only about themselves. It'll be hard to care for sheep who will eat all the grass out of a patch without realizing maybe they should move to another patch. But it's hard work we must do. It's hard work we do for our children, for our families, and what we must do for the kingdom of God. Because it's the most important work we can do for one another. Jesus never called us to what was easy. He always called us to what was important and what was good. 
He called us to love and care for sheep who need tending. He called us to provide for the would-be disciples, just like mother, mothers and parents care for would-be grown-ups. And in doing so, in embodying and embracing the spirit and the practice of love and care by feeding the Lord's sheep, I think we will have a chance to help see his kingdom come and his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So today, love the mothers and the mothering figures who are a part of your life. Care for them, provide for them today as best you can. But in the days ahead, do not cease to remember your call to be like Jesus, to be like them, and to be his disciples. To love and care for those around us, especially those who could otherwise not love or care for themselves. That is our call. That is the gospel. That is the good news today for which we say thanks be to God. Will you pray with me? Loving God, we are your people who are gathered today with warm, with warm and full and excited hearts for we have seen your blessings, we have seen your care, we have seen so much goodness that you have placed in our lives for which we give thanks. Lord, help us to be people who do as you called your disciples to do, to feed your sheep, to tend your lambs, and to care for the lambs and the sheep of your fold. Help us to care well, to love well, and to provide well for those who very much need it. And Lord, help us to see the many ways that you provide love and care for us each and every day. Lord, we are a thankful people who seek your lead and seek your direction as we seek to feed your sheep. And it is in your name we ask you to help us do this today. Amen.